Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. I titled our conversation today, You Need Help. You Need Help. And I just think about, like, in our house, um, whenever Bukhi is, you know, being funny or up to some kind of mischief, my go-to phrase is, you need help, you know, suggesting that she needs to see someone professionally. <laughs> and today, I'm just going to borrow that phrase as our topic, you need help, you need help. I often wonder, I don't know about you, but as I start, started my walk with God, <laughs> one of the things I often wonder, and I still do, is what chance we have as Christians. What chance do we really have as children of God or as Christians? What, 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 what is the probability that we can actually succeed in pleasing God? What, is the, what are the odds, I would say, that mortal men, that human beings in the flesh are able to please an immortal God? What are the odds that we are, that we are able to meet up to the expectation that God has for us? I go so far sometimes as to ask, would it actually be fair for God to judge us as, 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 as human beings? Knowing how weak we are, knowing all the, you know, the, the issues that we have and the weaknesses that we have, knowing all the frailties of mankind, would it be right <laughs> for God to judge us? Have you ever thought about that? You know, maybe you've had one week where you really struggled. You tried to do everything right, and you found out very quickly that your efforts were futile. You're wondering, God, but I tried my absolute best. Would it be right? Would, what chance do we have? Would it be right for God to judge you and I, knowing that we have inherent weaknesses, innate weaknesses as human beings? I go so far as to think that if Adam fell, what chance do I have? Don't forget that Adam did not have the sin nature. Adam was made in the image of God. He enjoyed fellowship with God. He was put in the very presence of God in the Garden of Eden. But yet he fell. He fell from grace or fell from glory. And so we, not, we don't only have the weaknesses of Adam. We don't only have the challenges that Adam had. We have now a very potent enemy. Not only that, but we now have the sin nature on top of that. What chance do we really stand um, in pleasing God? If Adam sinned against God, how are we expected? How are we expected to live our lives in a way that God is pleased with us? We are a bag of weaknesses. That's one thing you must understand. We, we are actually, we say this all the time that he's just a man to signify and to indicate that you should expect disappointment from human beings. Um, we say that the best of men are men at best. And so if you do a SWOT analysis, S-W-O-T, so that's for those of you who have gone to business school, business strategy, you'll understand that SWOT means your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats. Okay, Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And your strengths and weaknesses are about you. Your opportunities and threats, though, are about the external environment in which you function. All right? And if we did a SWOT analysis for mankind, you would find that the column or the area that would have the longest list or the, the most number of items would be your weaknesses. We have a ton of weaknesses. We are a bag of infirmities, a bag of weaknesses. We are full of imperfections. 
We are full of frailties. We have handicapped. We are limited in many different ways. You're limited in wisdom, for example. You don't have all wisdom. Um, you're limited in knowledge. You don't know all things. You're limited in understanding. Even if you knew all things, you couldn't make sense of all things. So your understanding is limited. All right? And you're limited in strength. You cannot do all things. All right? So we have a ton of weaknesses as, as human beings. And, and, and as you start to think about this and say, what chance? I mean, if you really want to please God, you must have thought about this at some point or the other, saying, do I really stand a chance? Like, it's just so hard. It's so hard. And not only that, when you read the New Testament, you find out that there is an escalation on the expectations of God. In the Old Testament, you had to kill someone to be considered a murderer. And Jesus comes and messes everything up. He says that if you actually hate your brother, then you're a murderer. So I wonder how many murderers are watching. Anyways, no, we're not murderers, all right? And, and he says that, you know, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have already committed adultery or fornication. I'm like, are you serious right now? We were already struggling with the physical part, which we have in the Old Testament, but Jesus escalates. He raises the bar, all right, saying that we have a propensity to be murderers and fornicators and adulterers. It just doesn't make any sense. But the truth of the matter is that it is right for God to judge us. It is right for God to have that, that expectation of us. And I'll tell you why in a second. And as we, as we as human beings have evolved over the years, we have built systems and certain structures and various inventions, okay, to mitigate some of our weaknesses, some of our physical weaknesses. We have come up with things like computers, all right, to help us store data because our memory, you just can't keep all that stuff in our head. We cannot process as much data as a computer can. You have calculators, you have planes to help you in your limitation. No one of, no single person can, you know, travel from Ottawa to, I don't know, Europe, for example, you need a plane. And so all these weaknesses that we have, physical weaknesses and limitations that we have, most of them, we've been able to figure out. We've been able to bridge the gap. We've been able to invent stuff that can actually solve some of our problems, all right? We have phones now that do a, quite a number of things. Um, we have done that. However, what we have not been able to mitigate against is our spiritual deficiencies, our spiritual weaknesses. Our strategic weaknesses, we have not been able to do anything to solve those problems. There's actually nothing you can do physically to solve a spiritual problem. There is no software, there is no app you can develop, for example, that stops you from sinning. All right, or stops you from having negative thoughts. Um, if I was ever to become an innovator and patent a product, I would probably patent a product that helps us deal with the problem of sin, right? But the truth is there is just no solution that we can come up with by ourselves that solves some of the weaknesses that we have, all right? You cannot please God, for example. That's a weakness. You cannot live holy. That's a weakness. Or you struggle to live holy. That's a weakness. You cannot... And you struggle to maintain spiritual vitality. Sometimes your spiritual life is up. Sometimes it's down. That's a weakness of humanity. All right? You cannot understand God's will. That's a weakness of mankind. You cannot understand the purposes of God. You cannot understand even God's word. That's a weakness. You don't know what to do all the time. That's a weakness. All right? You don't know how to war against the enemy. That's a weakness that we have. All right? You don't know what to say all the time. That's a weakness. And so we have all these different weaknesses, and God still expects this much from us, and we're wondering, how do we bridge the gap between the expectations that God has for you and I and 
our reality, okay, and our very, very real um, issues that we deal with. But the thing about this is that as soon as you give your heart to Jesus, as soon as you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you raise up your hand in church, you, you, you respond to the altar call um, at home, okay? You might have been in an online church or whatever. You give your heart to Jesus. God has made a provision, an instant provision that's supposed to help you bridge the gap of your spiritual weaknesses, all right? There is an instant delivery. There's a super... Amazon Prime, Prime, Prime extra product that delivers to your heart the moment, the instant you give your heart to Jesus. God delivers to you a stimulus, a, a spiritual stimulus package that helps you with most of the weaknesses that you have, especially the weaknesses that you have when it comes to your spiritual life. All right, God delivers to you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Instantly, the moment you make the confession in your, with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you submit your life to him, the Holy Spirit comes instantly and starts to indwell you as a child of God. And so in John chapter 14 and verse 16, which is my first text for today, John 14 and 16, I'm going to read this in the Amplified version of the Bible. John 14 from verse 16 to 18, the Amplified, it says this, Jesus is speaking. He says, I will ask the Father. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Don't forget, we're talking about the fact that you need help. He will give you another helper. And in brackets, it goes on to say he's a comforter, he's an advocate, he's an intercessor, he's a counselor, he's a strengthener, and he's a standby. All right? So the Holy Spirit, the, the helper that God is going to give you, he comforts you. All right? He makes you understand or brings a sense of meaning to you in grief. He's an advocate. He, he defends you. He's an intercessor. He prays on your behalf, all right? Pleads on your behalf. He's a counselor. He advises you, gives you counsel. He's a strengthener. When you're weak, he strengthens you, strengthens your spirit. There is no invention of mankind that can strengthen your spirit. It's only the Holy Spirit, and he's a standby. He, he stands with you at all times. The Greek word for that, you know, is actually paraclet. It's someone who comes to stand alongside you. And I keep reading. It says that, I'll give you another helper, all that stuff in bracket, to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually. And this is the key thing here. He will be in you. So he remains with you and he will be in you. That's the spiritual package that God delivers to you the instant that you give your heart to Jesus. Because the expectation of God is not going to change, but he needs to give you something that bridges the gap. Gives you someone, actually, not something, someone that walks alongside you, that bridges the gap of all the weaknesses that you have. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans or comfortless or bereaved or helpless. Because in other words, without the Holy Spirit, we're comfortless, we're bereaved, and we're helpless. I will come back to you, said God. That's John 14 from verse 16 to 18. So immediately you give your heart to Jesus, you receive a tenant in your spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. And the goal of Christianity is that you are able to make that tenant the landlord eventually. So he starts to call the shots in your life. And that's a journey that you must eventually embark upon. Because if he remains a tenant forever, when he speaks to you, when he nudges you, when he's speaking to you in certain seasons, you're going to silence his voice. 
you're going to ignore his voice, but it's to your advantage that you make him the landlord because he has been sent with a ministry and his ministry is to help you, to walk alongside you, to help you bridge the gap in all those weaknesses that you have. And you have a ton of them. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, geez, this is a, this is a lot to deal with. I cannot believe, God, that you expect this of me because we have so many weaknesses. We have weaknesses of the flesh. Okay, we have all kinds of weaknesses. And so you receive a tenant as soon as you give your heart to Jesus Christ. And he's come to help you. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 that do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? All right? And who, who is in you and you've received him from God and you are not your own. You are not your own. So your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He comes in as a tenant, but ultimately he becomes a landlord and you are no longer your own. You are now his. You are now his. And so I want to read to us from Romans, because don't forget we're talking from Romans today. Romans chapter 8. We're still in Romans chapter 8 in our series letters, and the title is You Need Help. And this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Helps in our weaknesses. Remember, I established the fact ad nauseum at the beginning of this conversation that you have a ton of weaknesses you cannot even stand yourself some days all right you have a ton and the bible says that the holy spirit helps in our weaknesses and he goes on to say for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought and i'll come into i'll come to that in a little while but paul is saying to us that the holy spirit actually helps with our weaknesses so jesus says i will send you a helper paul says context this helper that jesus is sending to us he's actually sending him to us because of our weaknesses if you don't have any weaknesses you don't need help all right if you have it all figured out then you don't need help but jesus believes that you need help god believes that you need help and i strongly believe that you need help as well and i think i need help as well um, ask my wife she would probably agree that i need a lot a lot of help so in romans chapter 8 all right romans chapter 8 Paul goes on to highlight four different weaknesses that the Holy Spirit helps us, helps us with. God helped about four specific things that the Spirit of God helps us to do. And these four things are so critical. They are so critical that I needed to lean into that. Um, and I know right now as I speak about weaknesses, some of you are like, yep, I knew it. My, 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 my spouse has all these weaknesses and you have no weaknesses of your own. So four things that the Holy Spirit helps us with, and these are very important. You find the first one in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11. Romans 8 and 11, this is what the Bible says. But if the Spirit, the Spirit, that helper, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, in you, in you, it says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you another translation says that he would quicken your mortal bodies he would quicken your flesh by his spirit so the first thing that the holy spirit helps us to do or does for us is that he quickens our mortal bodies quickens our flesh so why is this important it's important because in the service of God. You will need to serve God with your bodies. I don't know about you, but have you ever been there where you say, today 
I am going to fast. I'm going to fast and pray. Today, I'm dedicating the whole day to fasting and prayer. I'm not going to eat breakfast. I'm not going to have lunch. I'm going to eat dinner. And on that very day, at 6.26 in the morning, you are so hungry, you feel like you're going to die. Why? Because your mortal body has not been quickened. You need your body to serve God. You need your body to please God. And if your body, and when he talks about quickening here, he's not talking about raising you from the dead, like physically. He's talking about giving life to your body. And that life is the life that enables you, empowers you, that helps you to do the things you need to do in service to God, but with your body. So everything that God requires you to do with your body, you cannot do. And so the Holy Spirit comes and quickens you. So you say, I'm going to fast and pray. And at 6.30 in the morning, you're so hungry, you're starving. And then the Holy Spirit comes and quickens your body, gives you strength, okay? Gives you energy, vitalizes you, and you are able to actually follow through on that which you said that you plan to do. If the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that same Spirit, that same Spirit, He will give life, quicken your mortal bodies. If you want to pray, your body needs to be quickened. The days you want to pray, have you ever fell asleep while you were trying to pray before? Happens all the time. You're, you're trying to pray and then you start to drift off into sleep. You want to pray for one hour, 15 minutes later, you're so tired, you feel like you're just going to die. It's because your body needs to be quickened. If you want to shut down sin in your life, in your body, your body needs to be quickened. It takes a quickened body to resist the flesh. All right? Alive to God, dead to sin. That's what the quickening does. And so... Jesus is talking to us in the book of Matthew. He goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying with his boys. And the Bible says that Peter, James, and John, they are asleep. He's praying. He is battling for his destiny. He's on the precipice. He's at the threshold, on the cusp. And right there as he's traveling in prayer, these guys who were meant to be praying with him are asleep sound asleep and he comes to them the first time and wakes them up and says hey guys i really need you guys to pray and they say fine 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 we're gonna pray and he goes away and they fall asleep again their eyes were heavy the bible says and they fell asleep again but jesus says something that is very instructive and never forget this jesus say and if jesus says this you need to pay attention jesus says in matthew 26 and 41 in the nlt it says that keep watch and pray so that you do not give in to temptation. That's what Jesus says, that pray so that you do not give in to temptation. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the body, the body, the flesh is weak. And so the Holy Spirit comes to quicken us, to strengthen that flesh, to give the right type of life and energy to the flesh, so that you can do the things that God expects you to do in the spirit. You cannot Please, God, walk righteously. You cannot use your body to serve God without the quickening of the Holy Spirit. If you need to pray, your body needs to be quickened. If you want to fast, your body needs to be quickened. Whatever it is that you want to do, your body needs... You want to read your Bible, you're going to need your eyes, you're going to need your brain. Your body needs to be quickened. Otherwise, you're going to try to do it in the energy of the flesh, and you're going to be frustrated very quickly. Why? Because you're going to fail. And so the Bible says in 1 Kings 18, verse 4 to 6, I believe, that the hand of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, was upon Elijah. And Elijah was able to run ahead 
of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Your flesh needs to be quickened. Um, and so what, what, what happens is that when the body is quickened, you're able to serve God and it's able to deal with all the desires of the flesh. All right, it allows you to deal with, because the flesh is the seat of passions and all evil passions, you know, reside in the flesh. So by your body being quickened, you're able to live that life. The second thing that Paul talks about, and this one is so critical, you find in Romans 8 and verse 14. And it says this, for as many, this is a popular scripture, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God led by the Spirit. So the second thing is that the Holy Spirit leads us, leads us, leads us. The first thing, he quickens your bodies. The second thing, he leads us. Remember, you need help. And why is this important? Just one scripture preaches this entire text to us. In Proverbs 14 and 12, the Bible says this, and don't ever forget this scripture. If you forget any other scripture, it says that, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Another translation says that the end is destruction. Stay with me. The reason why you need to be led is because there is a way that seems right to you. So you being the educated, brilliant person that you are, you know, you have a very sharp, very high IQ, you're a strong strategic thinker. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right to you. But the end of that way is destruction. The important thing is the end. So listen, when you, when you take a decision and you weren't led by God, um, if it was a key decision of destiny, what the Bible is saying is that it might not be apparent to you immediately that you've made a foolish decision. It's at the end that you know. And that's dangerous because when you get to the end, it's too late to undo the things that you already did. So there is a way that appears right to a person, but the end of that way, the Bible says, is destruction. So you need the Holy Spirit to lead you. As many as are led, they're the sons of God. Now listen to me. The infrastructure through which the Holy Spirit leads us, or through which God leads us, is the Holy Spirit in us. So the Holy Spirit that I said to you before comes and takes up tenancy in your spirit, and he starts to speak to you. He starts to whisper to you. He starts to suggest things to you. And sometimes you can't even discern if it's your voice or the voice of the Holy Spirit. You just know. Have you ever had those, those days where you, cannot, you don't know how you know, but you just know that you know. And it's deep in. That's the inward witness. What that is, is the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. You're not going to hear a voice from God every day, an audible voice, and God say, hey, my son, turn left or turn right. If you hear, now, if you hear the audible voice of God every day, audible voice of God every day, you need to see Christabel so she can do deliverance for you. It means that d demons are talking to you. God does not speak to you every day in an audible voice. The primary way that God leads you and I as children of God day by day, line up a precept, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, is by the inward witness of the Holy Spirit, and that infrastructure is domiciled in your spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes inside you, takes, in, takes tenancy in you, one of the things that he starts to do, he starts to lead you. He starts to nudge you. He starts to whisper to you. And if you do not follow those leadings, the Bible says that there is a way that appears right. It looks right. When you do all the analysis and all the progressions and all the statistical details, this is the right choice by 
every standard. And God says that the end of that way, not the beginning, because you might not know you've made a wrong move. The Bible says at the end, you will know that it's destruction. I pray that you will not get to the end just to realize that there is destruction in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit leads us. Remember we did that whole conversation Lord is my shepherd. You should probably go back and, and listen to that. The, that God leads us beside still waters. The only way you can be, you can find yourself to still waters is by the leading of the Holy Spirit. There is no GPS. There is no app that can lead you in life to still waters. Eventually, you would find yourself in troubled waters. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. And God always wanted to lead his people. It's always been the plan of God to lead us from the beginning. From the beginning, even in Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham, get out of your father's house, of your family, to, of your country, to a land. He says that I will show you. So God did not give him the address of where he was going. That means that he had to depend on God every month, every week, every day to be led. God has always desired to lead his people. So my question to you is, is God leading you? The last major decision you took, did God lead you? Or did it just appear to be the right move? Did God lead you? When they came out of Egypt, they'd been in slavery for 430 years. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 13, in Exodus 13 from verse 17, that it came to pass, I'm going to paraphrase, that God did not lead them, pay attention, through. So God was leading them out of Egypt. God did not lead them through the way of the Philistines, even though that was the shortcut. That's what the Bible says. That was the faster way. Every analyst would have said to you, that's the right decision. That's the angle to take. You, that's the right way to do it. The Bible says God did not lead them that way, even though it was near. But what did God do? God led them about the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Now, that is the one place you don't want to be led by. You don't want to go. To, if, if I had a choice, I will not go the way of the Red Sea. But the Bible says God led them that way because he had a plan he had an agenda he knew what was best for them what made sense naturally did not make sense to god god led them about the way of the red sea and so sometimes we often take the obvious path and i'm not saying you should neglect common sense i'm just saying to you that if the spirit of god is nudging your heart make sure you allow yourself to be led remember you need help you don't know tomorrow you don't you cannot see beyond what you can see right now but God can. But, but, but God can. And sometimes the leading of the Holy Spirit is strange. If you if you read your Bible, you understand that, as a matter of fact, when I read my Bible, a lot of times I often wonder, uh, this, is, this is just wild. I'll give you an example. There's a story about Jesus when he's being um, baptized in Jordan. The Bible says that there is a crowd, a long line of people. John the Baptist is holding, is holding a service, a baptism service. He baptizes in the hundreds, all right? This guy had a huge congregation. And people came to, to John to be baptized, and Jesus came also. And they had this short exchange, but eventually Jesus prevailed, and John was going to baptize him. And the Bible says that as John dipped him in the water, that the heavens opened. Pay attention. The heavens opened, and the Spirit of God descended upon him as a dove in bodily form and a voice from heaven saying this is my beloved son in him i am well pleased okay now 
I put myself in the position of Jesus. If this was me, this is what you call a divine encounter, okay? You've just had an encounter with the Lord. If this was me, the heavens opened over me publicly. The Spirit of God descended upon me, so the anointing is on my life. God affirms me and affirms my calling. The next thing that I'm going to do, I'm just going to go ahead and just organize a crusade. I'm going to call everyone and say, the Spirit of God is upon me. Bring all your sick people. Let me heal them. Bring everyone who has a devil out. Cast the devil out. Come to me, all of you. Let me preach. Let me teach. I'm anointed. I just had an encounter with God. The anointing is fresh upon my life. That's what everybody would have done in their right minds. But the Bible says something very important that the Spirit led him, drove him not to go preach, not to have a crusade, not to heal the sick. Led him where? Into the wilderness. For 40 days and 40 nights, he was there fasting and praying. Imagine how different that is from what the right thing would have been if you were using your common sense. You probably have just said, oh, I just had an encounter with the Lord. An angel of God appeared to me last night. Anointing. Let's pray for the sick. Let's preach. Let's take the gospel. And Jesus said, the Bible says the Holy Spirit drove him where? Into the wilderness. Do you know the reason why? It was because the Spirit of God knew that in a short while, the devil was going to come and tempt him. And the only way he was going to be prepared for that temptation was to have put his body under, to have subjected his body to discipline by fasting. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus did not have the luxury of committing a sin only to ask the Father for forgiveness? He needed to live a perfect life. Not one sin, not once, not, not a single sin did he commit in his life. So he didn't have the luxury of joking around and allowing the enemy to test him when he wasn't prepared. So the Spirit of God knew that what was at stake was so significant. So I'm going to drive him into the wilderness. He's going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. So when the devil showed up, he had the strength in his spirit to tell the enemy, get lost. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. Think about the decisions you've been making in your life. Significant decisions. Did God lead you? Did the Spirit of God lead you? Or did you just make a decision on your own? If your intellect could be trusted, then God would not give you the Holy Spirit or he would not have asked him to lead you. He would not have asked him to lead you. So start paying attention to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. The end of the way, the Bible says that seems right to a man is destruction and death. The third thing that the Holy Spirit does and helps us to do in Romans chapter 8. There are a lot of things the Holy Spirit does for us, but we're just staying in Romans chapter 8 today. You find that in verse number 15 and 16. Romans 8, 15 to 16. The Bible says that, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which, by whom, we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the third thing that the Holy Spirit does is that he bears witness. He confirms that you are a son of God. The spirit of adoption 
it gives us a sense of spiritual identity. Listen to me, this is important. The Holy Spirit gives us a sense of spiritual identity. The Holy Spirit, I'll say that again, gives you and I a sense of spiritual identity. Don't forget that Jesus said that I will not leave you as orphans, okay? I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. So one of the things that he does is that he confirms, he bears a, a, a corroborating testimony with our hearts that we are sons of God. Why is this important? Have you ever, and by the way, this is in no way, shape or form, to diminish the ministry and the responsibility of mothers, okay? Not at all. But have you ever met people and at the end of the day, you conclude that what they have, the problem that they have is that they have daddy issues. There is something that fathers do in the life of a child. I cannot explain it. I don't understand it. Okay? The absence of a father is so critical to a person. It, 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 it's, if, it's a, if it's a girl, she ends up with say daddy issues if it's a guy then he has a tendency to become wayward and all that not in everybody i'm not saying that women cannot raise children i'm just telling you the balance that is required here and so what the holy spirit does is that he confirms in your heart that you have a father do you realize that the fact that you're able to open your mouth and say father to god and say my father that right there is a major major miracle and only a work of the holy spirit the reason why i can tell you that for a fact is if you ask a, someone who's not a christian an unbeliever to pray to god an unbeliever you say just pray to god okay you don't believe in god but just pray to god an unbeliever would probably say okay god you know can you do this for me or okay jesus can you do this for me what an unbeliever can never say never say is my father to God. That testimony is not in his heart. That witness is not in his heart. It's the Holy Spirit. So when you go before God and you want to pray and you just casually just say, my father, understand that that right there, that little utterance that you just made is the work of the Holy Spirit in you. The Bible says he bears witness with your spirit, confirms to your spirit because it's on the account of more than one testimony that every matter is established. So you need a, you know, a confirming witness that you are a child of God. So important because when Jesus walked the earth, we see him constantly, repeatedly remind us that God is our father. He, he, he says to us, when you want to pray, say our father. So don't pray on the platform of God, of our savior or our redeemer. He says, pray on the platform of our father, our father. He says that your heavenly father, knows the things that you have need of but if you don't have that confirming witness that god is your father then you cannot have a peace in your heart about the fact that he knows what you have need of and he's looking after you the holy spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of god you can never call god father except by the help of the holy spirit it's easy to call god by any other name and so without the Holy Spirit, you have no sense of identity, spiritual identity. You have no source spiritually. You're disconnected from source. The Holy Spirit gives you that confirmation. The fourth one. You find this in Romans chapter 8. 
from verse 26. And I read this before. I read the whole thing now, 26 and 27. He says, likewise, stay with me. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself, himself, not itself, himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Bible says that now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for us, for the saints, according to the will of God. So what Paul is saying here is this. He says that the Spirit helps our weaknesses. By the way, in the New Living Translation, it says, for example, he helps us in prayer. So he's basically saying that he helps all our weaknesses. But for example, this is how he helps us in prayer. Do you know this? That if today an angel appeared to you and said, Hi, good morning. Today is open heavens. God is in a great mood. Any prayers that you pray today, God is going to answer. Wouldn't you love to, love, just love that? I would love that, okay? Any prayers you pray today, God is going to answer. God is in a great mood. He's so excited. Do you know that you wouldn't know what to pray or how to pray? I know you think you know what to pray and how to pray. You're like, well, this is my list. God, these are the eight things that I need you to do for me. What the Bible is saying is that you don't know what to pray and you don't even know how to pray. And even if you knew both, you don't have the utterance with which to pray. So if the Holy Spirit does not help you, you are in trouble. You are in trouble. It's open heavens. God is answering every single prayer. We will still come short because we don't know what to pray. Why? Because prayer must align with the will of God. Every time you pray, it must align with the will of God. And the Bible says in that text that the Spirit is what the Spirit is the one who knows the mind of the Father. So you might think that you know exactly what to pray. I need a job. Okay, that sounds logical. But are you sure? Are you really sure that that's the right prayer to pray in that season? You will not know how what to pray. And let's assume you knew what to pray. He says you will not know how to pray. No man knows the will of God except the Spirit of God. And so let's assume that you actually know the will of God. That the will of God for you is you should get a job. You're going to get a job within the next one month or something. The Bible says you don't even know how to ask. Don't forget that there are many ways to pray. When you, go to, when you see the life of Jesus, you see him pray different ways. Jesus raised three different people from the dead. In every single situation, he used a different approach. So sometimes your prayer might be a prayer of declaration. Sometimes, for example, I'm going to pray for the sick, and the Holy Spirit says to me, just say to them one sentence. Sometimes I pray for days. Why? Because we do not know how to pray. Sometimes your prayer is, Father, I just thank you because I know that it's done. I appreciate you because you're so faithful. You always hear me in Jesus' name. That's a prayer. In some seasons, you would pray all night because that's how to pray in that season. Sometimes you would need to pray in tongues for long for the same issue. There's a diversity. There's, sometimes you can pray by thanksgiving and by praise. Sometimes God just says, just sing this song. Just put a song in your heart. Sometimes you pray by the whispers of your heart. You don't even need to pray out loud. How to pray? Jesus got to the tomb of Lazarus, and the Bible says he screamed with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. When he was going to raise the son of the widow of Nain, he just touched the coffin. 
there is a way to pray for everything there is no one size fits all approach so the bible says that even if you knew what you needed according to the will of god do you know how to pray is it a prayer of warfare are you binding devils concerning this issue or is it a prayer of petition is it a prayer of thanksgiving is it a prayer of declaration like jesus did when he went to the fig tree and he cursed the fig tree is it a prayer chain do you need to call all your cousins and say we need to pray and i need a prayer chain going how to pray and the secret to the effectiveness that jesus had in prayer because you realize jesus was just a complete gangster everything he prayed about we saw results instantly was because he was so in tune with the spirit of god that he always prayed the right way not necessarily that he was doing anything different but he always prayed the right way knowing what to pray and knowing how to pray this is so important when we talk about prayer because in some situations this is important there is one prayer point one that answers 10 other prayers for you now that prayer point that singular prayer point that would open the door to 10 other things that you're trusting god for in your life you can only discern that by the holy spirit for example god came to solomon and said solomon what ask for one thing that you want solomon is wise enough he's inspired enough he says god i want wisdom and god says yes i'll give you wisdom and i'll give you this i'll give you that i'll give you that i'll give you all these other things because you asked for this one thing those are the kind of prayers that you pray and opens the door so you're here you're praying for a job and god is saying you don't really need to pray for a job in this season what you need to pray for is open heavens and so you pray for open heavens and you get a job and then you meet the person you're going to marry and then god gives you a business idea and then god heals the people who are sick in your family but you would never know that because in that moment you're fixated on what you want and you go before god and you're just like god job job god god job and god is like no 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 there is this one door there's this one key that opens all the other doors you can never have access to those kind of doors without the holy spirit prompting you in your heart and that's why sometimes when you pray you find that some prayer points come to your head randomly it wasn't what you were thinking it wasn't what you were planning to pray in that season in that moment that's what you need to pray drop your prayer list and address that one you would often find out that god responds and it opens the door to a series of other doors it's 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 a strategic door that opens other doors you can never have that experience if you don't let the holy spirit help you in prayer knowing what to pray and how to pray paul was persecuted he faced so much opposition in his ministry he was he was a soldier for christ he says that at some point he says that in every city i go that the holy spirit reminds me (laughs) that i will be bound in chains and i would be suffering but paul is not asking the people to pray that the persecution will stop because he knows he knows he knows he knows that the persecution would never stop some of us were addressing issues that god would never answer i mean if it was me i'll just be binding every spirit of opposition binding all the guys who are tr- but paul said because if you read if you understand his prophetic destiny jesus had said there are so many things he must suffer for my sake so what he asked for is that pray for me that number one god would give me boldness number two that god would give me utterance the utterance with which to express the will and the counsel of god he didn't pray about the doors 
He didn't pray about the doors. I mean about the opposition. He prayed that God would grant utterance to him. I know you think you know what to pray. But let me assure you, let me assure you that you don't know what to pray for as you ought. But the Bible says that the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I remember a story, um, Pastor P.K., you know, many years ago. Um, he has a particular friend. Pastor, Pastor had a particular friend, uh, Pastor Peter Yakubu, that's his name. He's a good friend of pastors. I know him very well. And he's a pastor of a church. He's a senior pastor of a church. And one night, one of the members of their worship team passed away at night. They took her to the hospital, obviously pronounced dead. And because these are people of radical faith, they took her and they took her to church. And all night, they prayed. They prayed. The congregation gathered. Workers, I think, I guess, the team members, ministers, they prayed. Prayed. And because Pastor Peter is very close to Pastor PK, he called him in the morning and said, hey, we have a bit of a problem here. I don't feel like this is the will of God. I feel like this is an attack of the enemy and something can be done about this situation. So PK, because he's a close friend of his, Pastor PK came to the church where everyone was praying. And we're talking about knowing what to pray and how to pray. He didn't say anything. He just stayed in a corner as people were praying and he was just asking for the Holy Spirit to advise him how do we address the situation? And the Holy Spirit said something to him after a while. So he was looking to see if he would ask. He said, just go and call her name. Tell him to stop praying. So he goes there and says, everyone stop praying. No more praying. Stop. And he calls this lady. Her name was Sharon. Sharon. Loud. Nothing happened. Well, that's the only thing the Holy Spirit said I should do. So he's there screaming Sharon for eons until his voice starts to go. And eventually the girl came back to life. They had been praying all night. Many people, intercessors, you know what I mean? Praying in tongues, praying in English, praying in the local dialects, praying all manners of prayers, declaration, binding and losing. But the Holy Spirit said, just go and call her name and don't stop. And she came back to life. The Holy Spirit knows what to pray. He knows how to pray. He knows what you need to do that will get you the results you need to get. I don't know about you, but does anyone here have any weaknesses, anyone listening to me right now, any weaknesses at all that you need the Spirit of God to help you with? Yes, there are tons of them. I need to understand that He's a very present help. He's a very present help. As you go into your week, remind yourself, if you need to write it, on your wall, on your door before you leave your house or, well, practically in lockdown now, so you're not leaving your house, I hope. Put it somewhere, your screensaver or something. I have help. But you also need to remind yourself that you need help. There are tons of things that you cannot walk into, step into, maximize in God without the help of the Holy Spirit. He has all the capacity but you would only enjoy his capacity to the extent to which you engage it. So in school, at work, in your family, in your mental health, in your body, 
engage his help remind yourself that you need help remember that you have help and ask for help ask for help it's very simple simple as you say holy spirit i need your help in this area today before you pray at all times ask that the holy spirit help you pray don't assume you know how to pray don't assume you know how or what to pray for the spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered every spiritual and weakness that you have the holy spirit will break that gap for you but you have to allow him but the biggest gap you have obviously is that you don't have a relationship with god and he does that first that's the first thing he ever does for you as a believer the first thing he did for you was that he convicted your heart of sin so you gave your heart to jesus and as soon as you gave your heart to jesus he took up occupancy inside you and started to confirm that inner witness confirm with your spirit that you are a child of god if you want to make a decision today and say i want to follow the lord i need this help because this help is available to children of god there is a prerequisite there is a condition is that you accept him and jesus said that the world cannot know him the world does not know him cannot even recognize him but you do you do because you're believers you need to ask the lord today to come and take up residence inside your heart why don't you just put your hand on your heart wherever you are and say lord jesus thank you for your sacrifice i believe in my heart that you died for me i confess that you're lord of my life from today from today i surrender my life to you give me the grace to live my life in a way that's consistent with your expectations for my life give me the holy spirit give me the holy spirit to help me in all things in all things in jesus name in jesus name if you've just made a decision right now i congratulate you thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel if you want to be a blessing to others share the message to stay connected download our app and follow us on instagram at lighthouse church ottawa we love you